Hello, everyone, and welcome to Subsegment, a show where we discuss all things queer, kinky, nerdy, and taboo. I'm one of your hosts, Irony. And I am Pop Noodles, your co-host, and I welcome you to Subsegment. With over 20 years in the kink and leather community, we are happy to welcome educator, sex worker, and producer, and board member of, for events such as Folsom Street Fair, International Miss Leather, and more. They are currently studying somatic sex education and working as a somatic gendering coach. Welcome, Ro. Welcome! <laughs> so glad to be here. Thank you. Um, I've, I've given a very brief sort of description of your biography, uh, but you have a lot of hats. <laughs> you, you wear a lot of hats, I have to say. Um, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, I guess I'll start backwards and work my way up. Um, after I came out, I sort of lost my family and friends. I was living in uh, the south of the United States at the time, a very Christian household. And uh, I ended up moving away, seeking um, community, and uh, found my way via Boston to California, um, and found myself homeless and started doing sex work, uh, and found I really enjoyed, um, I enjoyed certain pieces of it. Um, mostly the pieces where I was finding power was being played with. Um, and I started veering towards BDSM and kink in my personal life and then started seeking it out um, via prostitution formats and uh, porn in various ways and ended up making my way up to the San Francisco area. and. Um, I was sort of put in the hands of the um, one of the then dungeon owners and spent a year in collar with him um, in service to the dungeon and in service to him and sort of like, oh, yeah, I'm, um, I was very broken and having that sort of safety net uh, really helped me find my footing again. Uh, yeah. Big transition, um, but at the end of the year, I was like, "Okay, that was fun. Take this collar off. I'm done." <laughs> so, um, we transitioned our relationship, and 15 years later, we're still together. Um, oh wow! Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it's been it's been a beautiful. Um, we have a 35 year age gap as well. So oh, nice. um, and and he's a. Uh, this het man, but he's asexual, mm -hmm. and I am none of those things. <laughs> so very much yes. the opposite of all of those. <laughs> so we have found our way over the years um, as I've transitioned in various ways. Um, mm -hmm. And a couple of years later, I had started school, and we had some folks approach us and say, you know, we've got this building. We'd love to see it become a dungeon. And his health wasn't so good. So I, I took it on because location is everything. Uh, so I ran a dungeon in Silicon Valley for five years. Yes. Um, That's amazing. Which was so fun. <laughs> was, 
it, it's kind of like, well, I'm in school, but I don't like what I'm doing. And I have this ability to like start my own business. Um, so I took it and I'm thankful I did. I did a lot of pro-doming during that time. And um, by the end of it, I was like found my path and found my way and went back to school and um, ended up in tech of all things. Because uh, mm-hmm. San Francisco <laughs> Bay Area, and you need to eat. <laughs> so, um, ended up um, moving to Canada after he retired, and oh, um, decided I loathed sitting in front of a computer. Actually, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and I missed sex work. Um, so I, I had also spent about ten years um, working with um, people who are. Uh, houseless and so um, I sort of found my way to somatic sex education because it was this combination of care work community care work which um, means a lot to me with uh, sexuality Um, and I consider myself a sort of divine prostitute I do feel like that's a big part of my being is is offering myself as service to people so uh, SSE is giving me that opportunity. There's so much of your story that we have little bits of questions. So I'm, I, I will jump back to the beginning of, mm-hmm. of your story a little bit. And I just will uh, ask you to tell the audience how you identify. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, some terms I identify with are F to X. Um, my body has transitioned to much more masculine, um, which I find very confusing because I think I look so pretty and adorable and I look in the mirror and I'm like oh no wonder people keep saying monsieur it's um it's like (laughs) I I think you look pretty and adorable oh thank you (laughs) I do agree (laughs) I never had a sense of gender dysphoria until after I transitioned (laughs) now I'm like oh this is what everyone's talking about no these things do not match um (laughs) but so f to x um the unknown piece uh I um, the term I have longest identified with is rheostat. And um, if you know, a light switch is on and off, and um, a rheostat is a dimmer. So you have the entirety of the spectrum. I love which that. I see. Yeah, it's like I just kind of like uh-huh. float around in it. Gender fluid's another term I really adore. Mm-hmm. Um, and leather dyke, for sure. Yeah. And, and pleasure boy. Oh, yes. I love yes. this. Yes, that's yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, I have a little question also coming back a little bit uh, in the past that you talk about. Uh, so how did you make your way into the lifestyle other than, uh, you know, joining the dungeon and uh, being under the color of uh, your partner? And can you extrapolate a little bit more about that? Yeah, you know, I was really lucky um, that... Because he identifies as a service submissive, he's been doing this since the early 70s um, in the Bay Area. Jesus. Yeah. He's a service submissive and asexual. And so he was the perfect candidate for a lot of prodoms because mm-hmm. he was never going to bring the sexual element. So they were safer in that mm-hmm. regard to not have to worry about that from him. And because he was just wanted to be a good boy. Um, Mm. He was often like um, 
for a long time, he was the driver for Minix when she was still living in Chicago and a different, different people. He just like offered himself in, in ways that created these community connections. And so when I came into the picture, he used to kind of lend me out oftentimes, um, whether it was to support somebody's event they were doing or um, for sexual uh, usage, mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. was great because he mostly knew um, leather dykes and um, femmes, uh, which was perfect for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and that kind of led me onto the board of Venus's Playground, which is the um, women's big asterisk portion of Folsom Street Fair, um, which eventually led me onto their adjunct board. Um, and just you know, the experience, it, it took me years to kind of realize the special opportunity I had, but I, I had years of just spending all of my time when not at work or school in a dungeon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I learned so much so fast just by watching and being like, show me, you know, I was there <laughs> for four to five days a week. Um, that's crazy. Wow. I know. <laughs> that's that in a good way, obviously, though. Oh. I never experienced dungeon in my life, so I cannot oh. imagine yes. just being there like almost 24-7. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then running my own dungeon, you know, like I got to see such a plethora of communities because we hosted events for like swingers, which is not a, a events I would have gone to otherwise. But I really got to like find my feet in this community and like learn to engage with the community and play, which mm-hmm. I wouldn't have done otherwise, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of pieces like that really helped influence me. I think you may have like briefly nodded to it in the, the last bit, uh, but can you tell us a bit about your uh, first kink encounter after moving to San Francisco? You know, it was actually when I was living in Boston. Um, I answered a Craigslist ad for a oh. guy who was like, I want to take your erotic photos and, you know, and I'll pay you for them. Um, so I had started doing erotic photography. Um, and this was 2001, 2002. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, sh- I, sh- I showed up at this guy's house, you know, no safety call, nothing. I don't know a damn uh-huh. thing. Um, <laughs> I've been having really bloody sex with my partners, but otherwise I'm like, well, yeah, I like rough stuff. We'll figure this out. Um, oh, that's naivete. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad I'm safe-ish uh, <laughs> over the years. <laughs> but, um, and he, he had like, just like this, adorable little house you know and there was like a little kids room and I was like well that's awkward um (laughs) and then he like led me down these dark stairs and I'm like I feel like maybe this isn't a great idea (laughs) and he had this whole dungeon in his basement and we were slated for like two hours and we ended up spending like six hours down there just doing photos and he oh was like, God. you know, he taught me a lot in that little time frame about like safe words and like, okay, I'm putting a ball gag in you, but here's a hanky and let it go if you want my attention. You know, like I learned a lot of little things just in that first encounter. It was really pivotal. So, and wow. and I, I remember watching him sweating 
and he was getting like hotter and hotter and hotter and like red face and like trying to be very polite. And also I was like, oh, I think you're having a hard time here actually. <laughs> and I hadn't spent a lot of time around guys. So I was just like, this is, I think, okay. Like you're being very polite. So I feel safe. And also you look very uncomfortable. <laughs> and by the time we left, both of us were so worked up. I think I went home and just played the entire night with my girlfriend. <laughs> yes. yes very helpful jumping off point <laughs> I mean having the engine running for six hours is a fucking Oof. long time yeah. <laughs> yeah. yes god six hour sessions okay <laughs> but um, what was that like to own a dungeon in San Francisco and well Silicon Valley even even oh. bigger <laughs> and I mean it was magical it really was I I learned so much about the confluence within different communities you know the like Venn diagrams of different communities mm -hmm. um, and how they were working together and how they weren't working together and mm -hmm. trying to find ways to to build bridges across them um, seeing the kind of personal politics that were happening within a community space and mm. having to be sort of a quasi-neutral environment mm -hmm. um, to try and hold space for all different types of people mm -hmm. um, taught me a lot really fast. And <laughs> just, right. you know, being able, I think more than anything, seeing people's like immense capabilities for just fucked up and adorable <laughs> and creative and mind-blowing and scary play mm -hmm. yes. um, yeah it was really a magical canvas in which to watch people create art mm -hmm. must have been difficult to uh, leave that behind at some point to go uh, to canada uh yes and no i mean You know, when I lived in Georgia, one thing that I was able to appreciate more later was the need to come together as a community, even if you mm -hmm. don't care for certain people, like you fucking stick together and you take care of one another and then maybe you smack them upside the head behind closed doors. Um, mm -hmm. And then when I moved to California, it was like the community was so big and it felt as though it was sort of taken for granted that people could faction and be like, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Um, mm -hmm. And so you had these separations. And I, much as I love the community, I really struggled with that. Um, yeah, I, I understand that. I, I, I am also in the like, why everyone got to hate each other? No, why I, you got to be like that? I really that? refuse. <laughs> I just refuse to play. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's it's been it's been a struggle coming here to be like, oh, there's like four parties a year that are calling to me and I'm used to having four parties a week to choose oh, yeah. from. You know, there was a munch two or three a night mm -hmm. because you had the pony munch and the spanking munch and all the different things. Um so as much as I miss that wealth. I actually really am appreciating the 
um, simplicity and the mm -hmm. purpose of more intentional care and mm -hmm. having a smaller community. I was about to say maybe those events now are more meaningful because they're less happening and when it happened it's even bigger now. So yeah. Oh, it's so true. Yeah, the like it used to be like, oh, we're going to a party, what do you want to do? And it was kind of a little haphazard maybe. Um, mm -hmm. And now it's like, oh no, we're planning this like by the 20 minute <laughs> slots, you know, and we're yes. in every little thing we can, yes. Mm -hmm. And be absolutely more exhausted than we would have been going. Oh, yeah. Like, you plan a recovery a day now. Things. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Let's talk a bit about your kinks. Uh, <laughs> what does sub subversive DS mean to you? And how would you, how would you use this to disrupt social power dynamics? Yeah. Um, for me, I think that... Uh, Feeling oppressions um, in the everyday world is, is hard enough, and I really have to work to abstain from seeing that come into a dungeon space or play space or my bed. Um, that's really important to me. And so um, an example might be my daddy. Um, socially, in every way, I have power over um, education, financially, um, age, um, and now that I'm presenting more masculine uh, gender, like there's yes. all these pieces. And then um, we, we very purposefully set up our dynamics so that they have the control um, when we're together and, and apart, but in our relationship. And we like to... Um, find ways to make people question that. Like I tend to be more gregarious. I'm more social. I'm uh, more chatty. Um, so let's say if we're in a group, I'm the one that's like, blah, 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 talking to everyone. <laughs> yes. And they're sitting there kind of quietly. Um, mm. And so it might look as though I am the D spot and they are the S spot. Um, mm -hmm. And then at some point, they'll just kind of grab me by the scruff and pull me back and put me back in my place and I get quiet and <laughs> you know, they have something to say. <laughs> so mm -hmm. We're um, finding our way in that. So things like that. <laughs> Do you have uh, any big preference king that you love a lot? Like a, a top a top five, let's say. Okay. Uh, I adore rope. Um, and over the years, that's changed how that's looked. Right now, I just adore doing rope with me more than anybody else. I'm pretty okay. much not interested in doing rope with anybody else these days for the most mm -hmm. part. Um, I have one, one person I, I do love doing rope with because they just let me riff with it. There's no expectation of what I'm doing, which is fun. Mm -hmm. um, uh, spanking is probably my first love. <laughs> so I love to be put to bed with a spanking that um, is really nice and I love to scream and cry and claw myself away from somebody from them as well um, and giving them just makes my heart burst <laughs> mm -hmm. um, let's see you know a, a favorite one that kind of comes and goes over time is enemas I really enjoy the like internal control that they grant mm. that's mm -hmm. it's it's hard to get that sort of um control 
on the exterior to be so invasive as to be in somebody's guts. Yes. Um, yes. It's a special thing. Huh. So, <laughs> That's um, interesting. I never the, really heard about that. The the power play of that is is kind of hot, to be very honest. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. It definitely can be a control thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I like the hilarity of it. Like, I find that often people are like, oh, this is a serious thing. And I'm like, fuck that. No. <laughs> no. Um, and I guess along those lines, just um, messy play of any kind. Um, mm-hmm. Sans, scat is not my thing, but like um, food and dirt and piss and even vomit. And I I do like playing with messy things. I like the... Um, the discomfort and kind of mm-hmm. moving past it into mm-hmm. the kind of like childlike joy of just like, Ooh, this is fun. Oh, <laughs> I'm not supposed to be okay with this, but why? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, the, the basis behind a lot of like wham kinks, right. Is like the, the joy that you have in like ma- doing something that is like socially unacceptable and like considered like like socially like not something adults do and like adults want to do this because mm. of course adults want to do this you wanted to do this as a kid but also when you get a you know a little bit horny uh, things get less disgusting uh, very <laughs> true get your focus kind of shifts yeah <laughs> yeah that's true age play is probably the the other one I would say um, I did mm. a lot of um, reparenting with partners and with myself and so it's not something I play with a lot these days but it's something that is um, very deeply ingrained in my heart mm-hmm. yeah. I mean it's very useful for a lot of people I find so the healing mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of potential there for care yeah yes. rewriting our stories um, that's going to lead me to a question that's semi-related because talking about kinks and other thing, but um, gentle torture. Genital torture. Um, <laughs> hey, you have my attention. Tell me more. So, giving, receiving, uh, a boat. What techniques you like? Yes, pretty much. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes the answer to all of these questions is yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I think I, I started just as a dyke with like I. I, I think one of my first girlfriends we used to say we just we always had bloody sex it just never failed like we were going to bleed didn't matter when it was Um, (laughs) and and that was awesome and fun Mm -hmm. and I never thought of that as genital torture I just thought of it as sex (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah Um, and then you know I think it was uh, needles was probably my very first love Um, yeah I I had actually my my um, dominant at the time had lent me out to this um, pro dom and she was learning needles and practicing and so she was like crawling all over me just shoving needles all over the place and um, <laughs> she <laughs> she ended up shoving them in between my toes and I was like this is oh, God. <laughs> oh no <laughs> that was my first needle experience I'm God. physically <laughs> uncomfortable oh. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it was excellent. Uh, <laughs> but I, I immediately went out and was like, I need to learn everything there is about yeah. needles. This is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. So and and then I figured out like, oh, 
genitals bleed the most and I know I love blood so let me figure that out <laughs> so then it was like butterfly boards on cock and balls mm. and like you know putting the cock inside and sewing up the balls around it and then it was like sewing up vulvas and just all nice. the things yeah so oh my God. Have, you, have you done the old like corset vulva oh yes very pretty mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. you yeah. pierce all the sides and then you lace it up like a pretty corset oh god yeah yep. and then you fuck your way through it it's great no. oh damn <laughs> Oh, God. I'm a new fate in all of this, you know, so, uh, wow. Uh, Whew. Yeah. Got me sweating over this. <laughs> I once had um, a, a friend who, he's a big, gigantic guy. Man, I loved when he would just beat up on me because he was, like, three times my size and he would just take my breath away. But he shows up one night and he straps me down and then he pulls out, like, a full, giant shop, um sander like not not a home one but like a big uh-huh. shop sander and i was like where the fuck is that going <laughs> you know? um, and thankfully he put a towel down but he put that right on on my vulva and i was just like everything in my body like oh my, no you know That's intense <laughs> yeah, Jesus. yeah yeah axons in my brain were like <laughs> oh my god oh it was awesome uh- I feel like uh, I'm going to need to ask your uh, your red hanky story <gasps> to, oh. to follow through on this like uh, path. Yeah. Oh, that was beautiful. Yeah. I um, I was on the board for International Miss Leather for a couple of years, uh, managing their dungeon spaces, and my partner at the time um, got together with the board members and. Um, set up a, a surprise play date for me. Uh, it was like the middle of the afternoon and I was in the dungeon spaces just kind of sprucing things up. And next thing I know, this like lock and file of dykes walks through both sides of the the room and comes at me. And I was like, oh, I'm in trouble now. <laughs> um, I didn't get very far. I'm a runner, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> Run. okay. <laughs> I didn't get very far. Work for it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, I. <laughs> both of us are going to work for it. That's how I like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they they got me down and were holding me down and just took their turns, you know, trying to force their way into me. Um, mm-hmm. And afterwards, just kind of tossed a hanky on me, wiping my little tears and giving me kisses, and told me what a what a good girl I had been. Oh. Yeah. It's pretty fucking beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. I mean, that's a one of irony dream to maybe experience like gangbang at some point. Uh, <laughs> so all the stories that you share about that is yes. welcome. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I got more. I got more because they're right. a favorite of mine. <laughs> I'm a big fan. Yeah. Yes. Let's talk. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Fuck it. Let's talk. Let's talk gangbangs. <laughs> gangbangs. You know, my very first gangbang. Um, I, I had been hinting to people that I wanted one, and like hinting, 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 hinting. And it, after like a year, I was like, I give up. Fuck it. I'm gonna like manage my own fucking gangbang. Y'all can't be trusted. <laughs> <laughs> but I was shy about it. Um, so I told all my friends that I had a friend 
uh, with a birthday coming up and could they come up to San Francisco to, there was a sex club up there. Um, and, and would they help me with this gangbang mm-hmm. for my friend? And I, I got a big gaggle of folks to show up. Uh, and I was there early and my girlfriend and my sibling had me already tied down and everything ready. Um, <laughs> and so as people came in, they just like, there you go. And I was, oh, I was in a um, gas mask. I love gas masks. Um, so people were a little confused. They're like, we think it's them. We're not sure it's them. Um, uh-huh. So it, it was it was fun, but it also took my friends by surprise. Several of them were like, oh, man, I wasn't, I wasn't actually prepared for that. And I'm like, but we have <laughs> fucked. Like, what is the problem here? It's not like we haven't <laughs> fucked, you know? Like... <laughs> <laughs> it's like no we've been friends for 20 years and have never seen each other naked why did you invite me to this gangbang there's something different right, yes. right. that's a very different concern <laughs> this is like you've seen me fuck in the dungeon I don't know how many times we have probably fucked <laughs> or yes. talked about it and definitely yes. played yes. Like, you came here to fuck so. <laughs> what's the t- <laughs> it was a blast it was a blast mm-hmm. I just I had my head in my sibling's lap and I I just cried. It was beautiful. Yeah. It's very nice community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, on, on the other side, I think one of my other favorite ones wasn't even terribly kink related. It was just a big gaggle of women, big asterisks, um, all got together and we were like, we just want to explore in a group together safely, you know, and there were kink elements that came in, but generally we just spent the day and evening, you know, rolling around in bed with each other. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Oh. That's hot and dreamy. Beautiful, and yeah. <laughs> oh. Terribly kind, and also yeah. everybody ended up with bruises. It was a nice yes. combination. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 um, you... Speaking of community, because that's a term that uh, come back often as we start talking, uh, you mentioned that you have uh, an interest to build bridges between them and the different uh, letter community. In fact, can you talk a little bit about it? In the Bay Area, there's um, a leather coalition in San Francisco that's made up of multiple different leather organizations and groups. Um and they work together, um, they're not without their issues, to be sure, uh, but they work together um, to try and create events that bring multiple uh, communities together. And um, similarly, in uh, Silicon Valley, where I had my dungeon, I was working hard to try and bring multiple communities together because there's often overlap. Um, and often people have a sense of what they think a community is like um, versus maybe what it is and also just the problematic of broad swaths of paintbrushes, you know, painting people as though they are a collective monolith. Um, so for me, it's important to try and find other bridge builders um, that are in different communities to try and meet in the middle and um, bring people together. Uh, I started a wet munch here a little bit before the pandemic started, um, and it was, it took a couple of months, but it was really cool to start to see different 
communities starting to come out, you know, and at, I, I remember at one, there was a, there was, I would say the majority of the group was, not even though, maybe 60% of the group was like AFAB queer and kinky. And then there was this little pile of um, cis privileged appearing gay men in the corner. And I just walked over to them and I was like, you know, this, are, are you here for the month? Like, you want to, you know, come, come on in here you know, a little bit? Um, and, and one of them was like, I do, but I'm scared. And I was like, oh. the idea that, first of all, a man would be scared. You know, I was just like, whoa. <laughs> let me recalibrate for a second you know um but it, those moments i think are so important and humanizing to recognize mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. okay well let's talk about that it's like well could you tell me what you're scared of you know we mm-hmm. we bite but only consensually do you like fighting <laughs> you know and he was like oh i do like fighting and i was like okay then <laughs> so um yeah just i i feel like those little moments where we can glimpse the humanity in each of us instead of just seeing um, the oppression that's marked upon our bodies and that we've been taught to embody um, mm. can can help us kind of open ourselves uh, to one another. I'm going to take a brief moment of your time to discuss our social media. If you would like to email us, it's subsegmentpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash subsegment and Instagram at subsegment podcast. If you'd like to check out our super sexy website made by our very own in-house good boy, please head on over to subsegmentpodcast.com. And as always, you can find us wherever you find your favorite podcasts, as well as on Perth's number one online radio station, DRN1 United. You literally walked into the next question perfectly. (laughs) It was really amazing. Uh, Let's talk somatics. Um, For listeners, what does somatic mean uh, and why is it important to integrate them into our understanding of kink, sex, and gender? Um, So for me, uh, somatics is a way of being embodied and that does not mean just my physical body, but it means the interweaving and integration of my cognitive brain, my heart and feelings, and my physical body, um, and understanding that I can't separate those, that they're all intricately connected. Um, and just as much as I, I well, I was raised by, um, just my father, who is also a psychologist. Um, so I very much got the like, we listen to our brain, just listen to the brain. <laughs> um, and over the years, I learned to also listen to my feelings in my heart. Um, but uh, because the world and traumas, um, I definitely um, was not listening to my body unless I found it useful, um, which usually I did not. Uh, so as I've learned to try to listen to all of those pieces as a, not separately, but as they are in concert and in chorus together, um, that for me is somatics and embodiment. Um, and I think that kink is a beautiful way to allow us to 
use intention to integrate and engage with all those pieces as a chorus instead of just the individual pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, uh, a lot of people use gangs just to get over hardship and trauma. And mm-hmm. I think it's one of the big thing that comes all the time in those interviews is I enjoyed this for X reason and because it helped me to go through X reason. And that's just very beautiful. And I never seen it that way before I was, uh, you know, introduced to it properly. And I just find it very beautiful for that. And uh, I don't know, it's just very eyes opening for me uh, to experience that that way for sure. And uh, explain a little bit more uh, how gender uh, for you uh, somatic enter with that because you know i'm a trans man uh uh you know gender and stuff i think we all agree that it's <laughs> very fluctuating and it's just it's just so interesting and so many things we can talk about but you know it's just an interesting point of view that i would love to hear from you during my year in color uh i was deep in masochism and I had a lot of trauma and a lot of pain uh, that I had not released um, mm. in my in my heart, my brain, or my body. And mm. uh, I did a lot, of, well, needles between toes. I did a lot of things <laughs> <laughs> um, to, to feel at all, period, to feel in anything. Um, and at one point, Uh, my dominant was just beating me up and, and he came up right behind me and he's like, I know you're thinking about something painful right now. That's not this whip. And I want you to focus on feeling it completely as much as you can. I'm going to bring it to you and your job is to feel. And then I want you to let it go. And that's not let it go for right now. That's let it go for real. Let it go with the searing pain. Allow this to sort of rinse you free. Um, and that moment uh, was really pivotal to me because it, it taught me to process my pain and my hurts and my traumas as um, something that was done to me and not who I was. And that I could reenact those moments in my physical body with physical pain um, and allow my heart and my brain to, my brain to remember and my heart to feel that betrayal um, and my body to be in touch with itself, with the pain. Um, And that combination of sort of allowing it to flow through and out of me just gave me such release. And I, I started using scenes to sort of rewrite past stories and, and um, clear that energy, uh, which um, in combination with a, a, a good psychologist <laughs> and some antidepressants <laughs> and a supportive community, you know, mm-hmm. um, really made a huge difference for me. Um, and, and now it's at the point where I can feel when I've got enough little things built up in my body that something in me says, 
oh, you need a beating. Um, <laughs> and I, and I'll, I'll go seek that. And that's what I do is I just try to channel all those things and, and allow them to be flushed out of me. Um, mm-hmm. And then I'm usually good for another couple of months because I'm just not really in that space anymore. <laughs> I identify as a pleasure boy. I, I usually say that I don't do pain, which is not true. But generally, compared to most bottoms, I don't do pain. My goal is to provide pleasure. So, mm-hmm. um, And then coming around to the, the gender piece, I've had sort of a, a not, well, sort of, I've had a very nonlinear um, journey there. Uh, where I was very much a tomboy and then um, wanted to fit the mold and took the femme route. and mm-hmm. um, That didn't work. I, I, well, I did pretty good. I mean, chap, you know, captain of the cheerleading team and, like, all the things. And, um, and, and I was fucking miserable yeah. <laughs> for multiple reasons, uh, mostly uh-huh. just fitting into molds that were not of my making. Um, and then after I, I lost my family and friends, I just wanted to hide from the world. Uh, I had very large breasts, um, so I, I took to wearing really baggy clothes, and um, I started to pass as, which was not my goal. It's just I just felt like I was a dyke, not wanting to be seen by the world of men. Um, and I, I, but I started to pass sort of accidentally as as male um, during that time, and. I, I started to realize how I was hiding. I was just, for me, my experience was I'm just trying to hide. And that's actually not how I want to live my life. Um, so once I, I was grounded and had support and safety again, I sort of circled back into femininity and was like, how do I do this girl thing in a way that feels good for me? Like mm-hmm. what, what is that going to feel like for me if, if it felt good, if it could feel good, you know, mm-hmm. can I find that? Um, mm-hmm. And it took a long time, but I, I did find my way and um, sort of did a lot of fiddling and playing with gender during that yes. time. But my, my day to day was mostly femme for most of my adult life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I had a lot of uh, chronic pain and, um, ended up deciding to take my breasts off, which I, I, mm-hmm. uh, I heard of Lee Harrington doing it in, um, I think the early 2000s or so. And I was like, well, fuck yeah, that makes sense. Why would I want to keep these? <laughs> so I just didn't have a personal <laughs> attachment to them, but everybody uh-huh. else seemed to. Um, and I was a little resentful about it. <laughs> <Yes>. uh-huh. <laughs> so I, I took my breasts off, not really for gender reasons. Um, mm-hmm. I took them off mostly for my back. Um, and yeah. because I wanted to be physically active again. Mm-hmm. Um, and also because I was fucking tired of having to buy dress shirts and get darts put in them. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. My wardrobe would be so much easier <laughs> <laughs> because I love clothing. So. Yeah. Um, it, it just kind of worked for gender for me, um, but mm-hmm. it was not really my goal. Um, <laughs> so I'm very grateful to access medical access and care for that choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I definitely used the route of gender to get access to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but after, after I took my breasts off, I, I was free to kind of, I felt free to play with gender again. Um, and I think more than anything, knowing that I could 
be in my body without this oppressive seven pounds on my chest um, allowed me to reconsider uh, why I felt so oppressed by seven pounds on my chest, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which was really helpful and, and pissed mm-hmm. me off too. I was like, I'm so glad I didn't take my breasts off for gender reasons because fucking oppression. And also I'm so glad I had access to take my breasts off for gender reasons. <laughs> this yeah. is very complex. Yes, so, it is. Yes. Yeah. So it's, I, you know, I've ended up, um, I started testosterone a year before pandemic and during lockdown, um, I, my body transitioned, um, mm-hmm. and I, I didn't really notice. I was just enjoying myself, feeling good in it. And then uh-huh. I go out in the world this summer and I'm like, Madame, Monsieur, Monsieur, Madame. Why is yeah. everybody gendering me correctly all of a sudden? <laughs> Nobody has a fucking clue. I'm happy as a clam That's outside. Perfect. <laughs> it really was excellent. Um, mm-hmm. And also, um, one thing that's been so cool is like having the opportunity to prepare for the reentrance in this new body. So mm-hmm. I really had awareness to be like, what am I feeling in my body? When I notice across the street that the bus driver is hanging out the window, slack-jawed, staring at me, you know, as I'm wearing really roughly things with my facial scruff, um, and, like, I don't really care about him, but, like, what's happening in my body right now? Um, Mm -hmm. And just, like, feeling heat rise and noticing that and being like, oh, what is that heat for? What's going on? How do I actually feel about that? What does my body want to say? Um, oh, I want to flick him off. Should I do that? (laughs) (laughs) Having the intention of just trying to notice what's happening in relation to other people, Mm -hmm. because to me, my gendering is wholly personal. It has nothing Mm -hmm. to do with anybody else, except that we live in this world and other people feel the need to tell me in their body language or their voice or otherwise um, exactly how they feel about my gendering. Um, And I'm thankful to have some distance from whatever their experience is versus Mm -hmm. my experience. Um, Absolutely. It's sometimes just important to protect yourself from that nonsense. And just experience, oh, as I kick my mic, just experience life as uh, best you can, you know? Yeah. Uh, Ro, could you tell everyone where they can find you on the internet if you want to be found? Yeah. um, So on Instagram, arrow4play, A-R-R-O-W, the number four, and play, P-L-A-Y, is sort of my thirst traps and, and fun account and where people can contact me if they want to do masturbation or sex or play coaching. Um, And then somatic gendering on Instagram is where they can find my somatic gendering work. And do you have uh, anything planned for the future that you want to share with people? I do. Um, Let's see. Coming up, oh, November 1st, um, I'm doing a class for somatic gendering and solo pleasure Um, And that's all about finding your authentic pleasure within your gendering self. Um, And uh, 
people can sign up for that class for free with the code gendering. You're welcome to join us for that. And for people who attend that class, we have a monthly communal erotic practice that they can join where um, we come together in group and we share erotic play individually. Um, so mics and cameras off, but there's a process where we do a little body scan and kind of connect with an intention. Uh, we have some play time and then we come back together just to share some outcomes. Well, uh, on, on this, uh, stay safe. <laughs> stay kinky. I'm one of your hosts, Noodles. And I'm your other host, Irony. And thank you so much. Yes, thank you very much, Ro, for coming. It was very wonderful.